Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I am here today with Jeremy Brown. He is an FBI whistleblower, a January 6th defendant, 20-year retired Green Beret. How are you doing today, Jeremy? I'm doing good, Courtney, and thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Maybe you could give us a little bit of your backstory uh, of what happened and how that led to the position you're in now and what led you to be a whistleblower. Yeah, so um, a little bit of my backstory. Like you said, I, I am a retired Army Green Beret. I spent 20 years in special operations, uh, 17 years as a Green Beret, uh, retiring as a Master Sergeant, uh, and actually retiring as a non-commissioned officer in, in charge of the Special Operations Command Central Special Activities Branch, which that office has direct oversight uh, responsibility for covert, clandestine, and compartmentalized operations. And so I have a very unique rec- uh, resume within the special operations community uh, as it pertains to the types of operations in which I've been telling everybody for almost two, two years now uh, is what I believe to be a governmental compartmentalized operation meant to target American citizens for political reasons. And so uh, with this background, uh, after the election of November 3rd, 2020, I reached out to the Oath Keepers because what I saw taking place in America was an active overthrow of the United States government. So knowing this, with the election results and, and the election debacle that we all saw with our, our lying eyes, uh, I felt that it was time to start warning people who were going to be immediately affected by uh, these actions. And uh, those were groups such as the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, the Three Percenters. What we might, normal people would refer to as you know, American citizens exercising their First Amendment rights to organize in the patriot groups, those that had just uh, solidified their power through a stolen election see them as the enemy. And so I reached out to the Oath Keepers in an attempt to warn them that they were about to be targeted for destruction and utilizing my background in unconventional warfare and showing them military manuals and documentation and doctrine to demonstrate my point and saying you have got to start being more careful with your participation in these security operations at Patriot events and things like that. You have to lower your profile. As a result of that, which we now know because of confidential human source reports, which are part of my discovery, that FBI had infiltrated that meeting and I actually had the confidential human source report reporting on the content of that meeting, right? This triggered two federal agents from the Department of Homeland Security working on behalf of the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force to come to my house under a false pretense that they were investigating me based on a tip a tip that I was recruiting for civil war. But in reality, what they ended up doing on December 9th of 2020 is meeting with me face-to-face for approximately 20 minutes and attempting to recruit me to report and spy on 
the groups that I may be associated with, which at that time was only the Special Forces Association and the Oath Keepers. Now, keep in mind, this was December 9th of 2020. President Trump did not tweet, thus creating the January 6th rally until December 19th, 10 days after I recorded this meeting between me and these agents. And in the recording, you will hear them mentioning about in case something happens in January. Now, there wasn't anything planned to happen in January other than the inauguration of Joe Biden. There was no rally scheduled. It wasn't scheduled until 10 days later. And yet this is what I recorded these agents doing. And so, of course, at the time, there was no January 6th. So I was concerned that, first of all, the FBI is attempting to infiltrate Instant American citizen groups that are convicted of no past crimes or under investigation for no active crimes. And here they are trying to recruit a 20 year special operator to infiltrate them and spy on them. And so I was concerned about that. But then, of course, 10 days later, the president announced on January 6th. So I reach out to the Oath Keepers again and I asked a security operation going on for that event. They did. So I offered to volunteer and help them on January 6th. On January 6th, the same agent that recruited me on December 9th calls me at 9 o'clock in the morning and just, you know, wants to see how I'm doing, check on me, see what's going on. I tell him that I'm at January 6th working to provide security and I didn't have time to talk. So this is a clear indication that these guys know exactly who I am, where I am, and everything, and yet I wasn't arrested after January 6th, even though the security detail that I was on was the security detail run by Kelly Meggs, one of the seditious conspiracy convictees that apparently today Stuart Rose was just sentenced to 18 years in prison for, and yet for months the FBI pretended that I didn't exist. And the reason is because they knew that I had recorded that meeting. And in March 5th of 2021, I went public with that recording in a two-hour-long interview. And for months after, seven months to be exact, I continued to do interviews exposing my knowledge, my assessment based on my professional background about what I was involved in letting people hear the recording. And then finally, when I could not be ignored anymore, the FBI, those same two agents that December 9th attempted to recruit me are the very agents that arrested me at my house on two misdemeanor counts of trespassing. But of course, they came with a search warrant based on a domestic terrorism investigation and utilizing that search warrant So I'm so sorry. I didn't catch the last part um, when you said, wait, so what What was it that you were uh, put in? And it was seven years, you said? 
Yes, I was sentenced to seven and a quarter years, 87 months in federal prison on six counts, five felonies and one misdemeanor, uh, two counts of illegal weapons possession, two counts of uh, explosive grenades, a count of improper storage of those grenades, and then one count of a classified document. Now, of course, the grenade count and the classified document count are completely bogus. What counts? I'm so sorry. I'm I'm so sorry. What counts as a classified document? That part I didn't hear. uh, One count. One count for a classified document. What was the classified document, though? I'm the author of the document. Right. I, I'm sorry, but what what was the classified document? The classified document was actually a classified formatting template that I created for a classified document that was created utilizing that template and submitted through the appropriate classification channels. But what they found, in essence, was a document that appears to look like a classified document because it's simply a formatting template. I know this because I typed it. Wow. And you, when you were saying that uh, you you were warning the uh, keepers of a, a takeover of the government, what uh, what what did you mean by that? Well, what I was warning them is that what you are seeing in America is an attack against the United States against the sovereignty of the United States because those that are currently in, in charge of our federal government and in charge of many of our state governments are not Americans but are globalists. And mm-hmm. they believe in a one-world uh, community in which we should all be a part of and you know, we should uh, drive electric cars so that those in Africa can have you know, all of these crazy ideas and concepts that are counter to American sovereignty and in violation of the United States Constitution, but yet are cooked up in organizations such as the World Economic Forum, uh, the World Health Organization, and the UN, uh, the United Nations, right? These are the people that are currently in charge of our federal government, and that is why they disregard our Constitution, because our Constitution doesn't allow for this type of nonsense. Right. So what I was explaining to them is that what has been taking place in America over the course of many decades has been an incremental eroding of the rule of law and the very institutions and traditions and institute uh, and organizations that that we've uh, that our country has run on for nearly 250 years, and so having an overtly stolen election was not how they gained power. They gained power through the bureaucratic state, the administrative state, or the deep state, whatever you want to call it. This has been a long-term infiltration of the United States. The blatant stealing of an election, then admitting to it in controlled media outlets such as Time Magazine, that they fortified the election and then told you exactly how they stole it, how they stole the election is an indication and a show of force, a show of power that we are in control, we can do what we want, and there's nothing that you can do about it. And that's exactly what took place on November 3rd. November 3rd is not where they gained power. November 3rd is where they demonstrated 
shoved our noses in the fact that they have the power. And that, to me, was the final indication that groups like the Oath Keepers and Proud Boys needed to be warned that they were about to be targeted for destruction. And it turns out that I was right. So... Uh, you were you were in the process of saying how uh, essentially the the election was more about exer- showing the exertion of their power more than the moment when they actually took it, and I, I I'm curious your thoughts on how long that's been going on, how they've been how they've been doing this incremental takeover. I mean, the reality is that uh, before the ink was dry on the Constitution, uh, there have been elements that seek to destroy liberty uh, that have constantly been attacking the United States. I would say the effective measures that have been taking place now have at least been taking place uh, for nearly 100 years. And you can go all the way back to President Eisenhower in his farewell address warning that there were those um, that are inside the government and organizations such as the military-industrial complex and the technocratic scientific elites that seek to gain power. I mean, this was a uh, five-star general who's warning the American people on his way out the door that there were things happening behind the scenes that they needed to be aware of. But see, like good Americans, we simply ignored it. And so then it took John F. Kennedy in a speech to who he thought were friendly media outlets the state speech where John F. Kennedy warns that America is under attack by those who seek to infiltrate, sure. right? Not invade mm-hmm. secret societies and secret organizations, which is one of the reasons why Kennedy swore to abolish the CIA and scatter it to a thousand pieces or, or scatter it into the wind. I don't remember his exact quote. Right. Of course, we'll know what happened to John F. Kennedy. So this has been a long, drawn-out battle. You can look at Yuri Bezmenov's interview from 
openly exposed. We have the Hillary Clinton exposure in the Durham report. All of these things are right there for everyone to see. These are active measures being taken against the United States. Right. And yet, people think that this is still about Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump, or Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. No. This is the waning moment of the most successful clandestine defeat of a powerful nation likely in the history of the world, even more so than the old Trojan horse trick, which I'm sure many might recall that story, right? They have been so successful in their psychological operations and their misinformation campaign through the use of corporate media and propaganda that distracted the American people, that the country that everyone thinks they live in has no resemblance to what they think. And we see it every single day with the federal government violating rights without any concern for the American people taking action. And now, what is their big effort? Their big effort is the same big effort that every single tyrannical dictatorship has always taken. First, they want to limit your speech, and then when you get angry enough that they're trying to limit your speech, they want to take away your guns. And that is what we're seeing happen in America today. And this is what I've seen happening in America for decades, because I spent 20 years in America's force that executes these types of operations in other countries. Right. I know exactly what I'm looking at. Because it's what I did for 20 years. Right. Right. What do you think? Uh, where do you think we're headed? Uh, you brought up, uh, you know, the unrestricted warfare with China. I know many people are thinking that there's going to be some sort of kinetic warfare. Um, and what do you think? So I, I still first ask you about that, the geopolitical kind of ramifications. And then what do you think is going to happen with the 2024 elections? I think you already know what's going to happen because they, they now blatantly tell you right up front uh, they're going to start some type of nuclear war. Uh, they're going to unleash another biological attack, right? We know this because they're running new exercises on the next pandemic, just yeah. like they ran exercises prior to COVID in October of 2019, event 201. Sponsored by John Hopkins, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and the World Health Organization, which right. miraculously used the coronavirus pandemic as their scenario, and then just a couple months later, Shazam. Mm-hmm. They have exactly the same that they just rehearsed. And so they are blatantly now telling everybody exactly what they're doing. Right. They're hearing about nuclear war because they're preparing for nuclear war. The only problem is that they're preparing for their safety in this chaotic time, not your safety, right? For example, I just uh, somebody was just telling me an article about how Congress was all were all offered the opportunity to be issued in a case of an emergency. Now, satellite phones have been around for dec- for decades. I mean, I was using a satellite phone 
in countries that we weren't supposed to be in in 1998. And just now, all of a sudden, they want to issue them to members of Congress. Fifty congressmen took them up on their offer, right? So they know something is coming, right? Why is New York City running public service announcements about what to do in the case of a nuclear attack? Hmm. Sounds very Cuban Missile crisis to me. So... They're blatantly telling us all what's happening. The difference is that America is too big to fail in the minds of many Americans. See, it would never happen here because we have Memorial Day and we eat hamburgers and drink beer. But that's not the real world. What I'm describing to you isn't a plot in the newest version of the Jason Warren saga. It is actually the way the world works. Countries seek to take over other countries, and madmen and dictators and tyrants want to rule the world, and they want to rule you as part of it. And if you don't want to be ruled, that's fine. They'll just kill you. What do you think people can do? Well, they, they first need to wake up and realize what the problem is, right? I mean, we never solve a problem. Unless we first, and the very next thing they need to do is think back to how their grandparents would have handled it and revitalize the American spirit and say, no, I'm not going to do that because you work for me. I don't work for you. Everybody now turns to the government because for decades, that's what the government has trained us all to do. Government schools and academia and the media complex and all of you know all of the entitlement programs. You see now nobody wants to go against the government because they don't want to lose their benefits, they don't want to lose their contract, they don't want to lose their pension or any other myriad of you know a subtle little control measures that have been incrementally installed against the United States citizens mm-hmm. over the last you know, 50 to 100 years. Right. But at some point in time, we have to stand up as individual Americans and say, no, you're not going to teach my kid, you're not going to teach my son that he's a girl and that he should chop his penis off at five years old. No, right. you're not going to teach my kid that America is a racist country and that they are the very racist because they're 11 years old. So we all know that they certainly couldn't have owned slaves, but how could they at 11 years old be blamed for it? You see, this is the cultural Marxism that is being taught to our kids. We're all working two jobs to pay for our house that probably has a mortgage that we can't afford, and so therefore we drop our kids off at the government babysitter shop, a.k.a. the public school, and we have no idea what they're being taught. But we all learned during COVID what they're being taught. And now we're all saying, we don't like it, but it's too late. Because now when you complain about your school board allowing your five-year-old to read about blowjobs in the library, then you're called a domestic terrorist. And the Attorney General of the United States gets letters from leftist teachers unions and says, yeah, I agree. They are domestic terrorists. 
Let me send the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force to investigate, arrest, harass, and intimidate these mothers who want to protect their children. So what we need to do is realize that this isn't political Democrat versus Republican, Republican versus Democrat crap. See, this is just part of the distraction that they give us. This is anti-Americans against Americans. The problem is that the anti-Americans are in control of the government, which wants to have all the guns. Right. Right. Um, in terms of uh, you, you were saying that people are, are afraid to take any kind of stand against the government. Uh, do you think that uh, cases like yours and what happened with uh, J6 are ways that they're trying to uh, instill fear and set examples? Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, think about this. The Department of Justice has already declared that the January 6th investigation is the largest investigation in American history. That's already two years into it. They've just received more money, you know, from the good conservative stalwarts like Lindsey Graham, who plussed up the FBI's budget in order to prosecute more conservatives that were there on January 6th. Conservatives that were there to express their First Amendment right, their dis, uh, their disagreement with what was happening. Right. And what ends up being, they were patsies in a staged fedsurrection is the best name that I've heard it uh, be labeled as, right? A, what we refer to as a false flag operation, much in the style that Hitler ran when he burned the Reichstag, the, the German parliament bill, didn't blink it on his political enemies, the communists. You have one that's how that's how the Nazi Party gained power and took over Germany through the exact same type of operation. And everyone likes to call it a conspiracy theory. It's not a conspiracy theory, it's a military tactic. And it's not a conspiracy theory, it's just a conspiracy, which is two or more people getting together to commit a crime. So, yes, I had a couple of questions regarding, one, what do you foresee happening to, uh, you know, cases like yours and some of the others who, you know, they've, uh, I, I personally think wrong, wrongfully have uh, persecuted. And do you foresee, uh, I, I know you had mentioned this being, uh, you think kind of a, like a false flag, do you foresee some other uh, future things that people should be on the lookout for? Uh, okay, well, uh, be on the lookout for uh, men of Indian or Hispanic descent being called white supremacists. Oh, wait, that already happened. Um, yeah, I mean, you need to be aware that almost everything that you're told through the media is a lie. This is why my case is very unique within the January 6th scope. Because, see, my case is the one case that you're not going to read about in the headlines of the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times. That you're not going to hear about on Fox News or CNN. Because, see, they don't want anyone to know about me. 
Because and why do you say that? Who has evidence that they were involved in this, which is why they went through the trouble of apparently planting evidence and then sentencing me to seven years. 87 months in federal prison, and then basically trying to just hide me away and not make me part of the January 6th case, except they'll get me with two little misdemeanor trespassing charges, right? But Judge Mehta, the judge that just sentenced Stuart Rhodes to 18 years, is my judge. I am listed as an unindicted co-conspirator in the Stuart Rhodes case. Why? Why am I unindicted? I mean, their narrative is that Stuart Rose and a used car salesman from Ocala attempted to overthrow the U.S. government by leaving their weapons in Virginia. They don't think that a 20-year Green Beret would bolster that narrative? Well, no, they don't, because, see, that 20-year Green Beret knows what he's doing and recorded them doing things that are illegal. And so therefore, we have to punish that Green Beret, but we don't want anybody to know about them, which is why you're not going to hear me on any major conservative radio talk shows. Because see, everyone hears what I've told you here today and says, well, that just sounds like crazy talk. Yeah? Well, did you hold a top secret SCI clearance? Did you work in the Special Activities Branch of Special Operations Command Central? Do you know a damn thing about covert, clandestine, or compartmentalized operations? Well, you know who does know about those things? Buck Sexton, who's former CIA, and oddly today, he sounded exactly like I sound right now on his radio show just today. But do you think they're going to call and invite Jeremy Brown to be on their nationally syndicated radio show so that everyone can hear a 20-year combat special forces master sergeant who has an audio recording of the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force attempting to recruit him and then magically having those same people arrest him almost a year later and then no one ever hears about him? No, they don't want that story to be told. Because, see, I'm the opposite of Ray Epps. See, Ray Epps is all over video telling people to take over the Capitol, that we've got to break into the Capitol. On January 5th, he's on video. The people literally are chanting that he's a fed. And yet, he's not arrested. In fact, he's getting 60-minute puff pieces run on him about how he's a poor little innocent person that has been ridiculed and targeted by the evil, evil right-wing, white supremacist extremists on the other side. You know, the MAGA crowd, the ultimate MAGA crowd. But yet, nobody's talking about Jeremy Brown, the guy who was offered to work with the FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force, and not only turned them down, but recorded their initial offer. And so why do you I mean, think, sorry, go on, yeah. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say, uh, so you, uh, you said you no, know, you don't think anybody wants to hear your story. Why do you think that they, do you feel that you were targeted? And if so, why? Oh, of course I was targeted. 
And and it's not that nobody wants to hear my story. It's that no one is allowed to hear my story. Right, right. I, I've yeah. been telling this story. I've been telling this story for years. Sure. And you just heard it. Right. And you're an informed conservative who attends Awaken American rallies. Right? I've had rallies where a rock rip conservative veterans have said, I just heard about your story. I can't believe that I haven't heard about it. Well, yeah, the reason you haven't heard about it is because it's what's known as information dominance. It's what's known as a media blackout. You see, the powers that be control the information that the person, that the American people get. It's only through independent media or, or alternative media like yourself that anybody gets to hear about my story. Do you know that I ran for Florida State House of Representatives for District 62, which is South St. Pete, a overwhelmingly Democratic district? From jail, I made the announcements from Pinellas County Jail. I ran the entire campaign with Kathy Chamberlain as my campaign commander. She literally campaigned with a cardboard cutout of me a clean-cut white guy in a predominantly black district. And do you know that I got 34.5% of the vote? Well, wow. You, so, you didn't hear that story? No, I have not because, heard that story. You know, do you know it's the first time ever in the state of Florida's history and because it was the first time it ever happened, that the Department of State of the state of Florida had no idea what to do if I were to be elected. But see, you didn't hear about that in the local media. Because, no. see, that's information dominance. Right. That is, we can't talk about Jeremy Brown because even if we talk bad about Jeremy Brown, you might not believe us, and you might look into it for yourself, and we can't have that happening. So therefore, we just ignore him like he doesn't exist. And see, they tried to do the same thing with Ray Epps, because it's obvious that Ray Epps was part of a covert operation. It's right. obvious that he was a paid... Uh, he was a paid agitator on January 6th. So therefore, they tried to ignore him. But when it became obvious that he couldn't be ignored, what did they do? They start running puff pieces on 60 Minutes about him. They bring him in front of Congress and ask him very specific questions that he can answer truthfully, like, Has, do you work for the FBI? Well, no, he doesn't have to work for the FBI. Have you ever worked for the FBI? He doesn't have to have ever worked for the FBI. You see, in these types of operations, you can use civilians and pay them as confidential human sources. You can use government contractors yeah. on contracts that are off the books so that they're never attributed to anybody. And then you can lie, deny, and make counter accusations. See, right. that is the way that that world operates. Sure. And see, unlike the other Oath Keepers and other January 6th defendants who may or may not have been also recruited, I do understand that world. And so when they attempted to meet with me, I recorded them. I told them I was recording them. And right. they were so arrogant and so cocky that they didn't even think to tell me no. 
Oh, wow. And so now it's come back to bite them. Mm-hmm. Because now, one person at a time, my story is getting out. And through operations like yours and, and the effort of you taking the time to, to listen to me and ask me questions, and hopefully one or two more people will hear about Jeremy Brown and then be able to tell other people about Jeremy Brown and then listen to the recording for yourself. Right. And then read Darren Beatty's article about my case. Right. Or watch one of the upcoming documentaries because, see, people are starting to hear about it, but they're hoping that it's too late because, see, now we're already sentencing all these fake convictions to heavy prison sentences, and then they will make it all go away and you'll never hear about January 6th again. Right. See, that's the plan. Sure. And so it's really a race against the clock. Can we wake up enough Americans to see what is going on before everyone goes back to sleep? And so I appreciate you helping me get this message out. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate you having the courage to share it and to, to do what you're doing. What do you think? Uh, what can, oh, So a couple of questions. What can people do uh, to help you? Um, and what do you think can be done to in general, help to stop anything like this from happening again? Well, what people can do to help me, first of all, is to learn the truth, okay? And so you can do that by going to uh, my defense fund site. It's jeremybrowndefense.com. And on there, you'll be able to go to our legal defense fund and help any, in any way that you can, because I'm taking this legal fight to the government. In fact, right. later tonight, uh, on my podcast, of which I call in from, from my jail cell, uh, I'm putting together some stuff that I want to present. And it's mm-hmm. not going to make the government very happy. And it will probably right. result in more legal battles for me, but which I'm certainly okay with. I mean, I'm prepared to spend the rest of my life in jail. Because I swore an oath to the Constitution to support and defend it and the American people against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And that oath is sworn to God, not some politician. Right. And it doesn't expire. And so my country is under attack, and I'm sworn before God to defend it. And that is what I will do to the death if that's what it takes. And so you can go to Jeremy Brown to stop and listen to of the hundreds of interviews that I've done, uh, we also have a podcast which you can find on Rumble under the, uh, I believe the channel title is Jeremy Brown Campaign, mm-hmm. uh, all one word. And uh, we're going to probably be going live tonight around 8 p.m. Hopefully we can get some stuff out. Uh, you can find links to interviews on Twitter at, at SL Freedom Chick, which is actually Lisa's Twitter handle, uh, <laughs> and it's Chick with a K, the correct spelling of it, right. uh, or at In the Fusion Cell, which is our podcast uh, titled The Fusion Cell, because you must first see with your own eyes and hear with your own ears the truth. Right. Understand that what I'm saying to you isn't just some conspiracy theory, which is what they want you to believe. And then once you realize what the truth is, that's when you have to energize your elected officials or get rid of them, right? I mean, 
everybody thinks that politicians are going to save us, but politicians are the ones that got us into this mess, right? Nice. What's going to save us is us holding those politicians accountable, right? We need to stop thinking that they're going to save us, and we need to start thinking that we're going to make them fix what they've broken. And we have to do that by getting involved. We have to stop being distracted by our cell phones and our TVs and our busy, busy schedules of USFL and the WNBA or whatever uh, fanciful distraction they put in front of you today. Right. This is how they gain control. So right. When the drag queens are reading library books to your kindergartners is because you don't read the library newsletter, but they do because, see, they're on the offense. They know where you're not looking, and that's where they maneuver. And if you don't start looking at this as an attack against American sovereignty and the American way of life, then you're never going to fully wrap your mind around how evil and pervasive it is. So you you were you were saying that uh, people need to uh, wake up to this uh, takeover and they need to hold their elected ac- officials accountable. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that, especially since we have you know the uh, 2024 election coming upon us. I I think there's a lot of kind of mixed feelings about that. You know, some people are very hopeful; they think uh, their person is going to save the day. I think some other people are feeling completely demoralized, like the elections are, uh, they feel that it's rigged and therefore they have no power and that it kind of doesn't matter. Um, and then I think some people are feeling like they want to just opt out altogether. So, um, and we also have some interesting candidates coming into the, you brought up Kennedy, you know, of course, RFK has thrown his hat in. Um, so I'm just curious what you think for uh that the upcoming election, uh, presidential election, and uh, of course, just in terms of uh, our election integrity in general, and if there is a hope to secure the sovereignty of the nation and the sovereignty of the individuals in the United States, and hopefully to set the example for the world. Well, I mean, the, the reality is that uh, there is no election integrity. And so if you want there to be, then you're all going to have to get together and ensure that it happens, right? We can't rely on this group that we heard about on Fox News or this other group that was on Newsmax doing it because, see, they're stretched thin. They're broke. You know, they're fighting this. We can't sit back on our couches and think that somebody else is going to fix it. Right. We as individuals have to get up and say, all right, where do I, where do you need me? Right? Who right. needs help? Okay. Right. Because there is no election integrity. In fact, if you read Representative Troy Nell's book, The Big Fraud, he lays out an excruciatingly painful detail, the history of election fraud that has been going on since elections were created. Yeah. And that's just the reality. I'm sorry, can you say which, which book was that again that you said? Uh, the Big Fraud is written by Congressman Troy Bell, who's a representative right. for the 22nd District of Texas. He actually right. personally sent me the book. In fact, I have a card 
personally handwritten from him on congressional stationery that says, keep up the good fight, keep the faith. Right? Nice. I have it sitting right next to my bunk here in my jail cell. Right? Okay. So unless you want, unless you, the American citizen, want to celebrate congressmen writing you handwritten letters to you while you're in your jail cell, well, then you had better get off your couch and get out there and fix these problems that we are all seeing. We cannot be intimidated because that is the very strategy and tactic that the words they're using. We also cannot be fooled that there are enough of us out there fighting that we can sit back, which is a propaganda technique. Mm-hmm. See, the media tells you that this group and that group and this group and that group are suing in this court and are fighting in this court, right? See, mm-hmm. those stories are constantly cycled through in order sure. to make you think, oh, no, somebody else is already taking care of that for me. Right. But I can tell you right now that I've talked to many people in the election integrity movement, and they struggle with manpower. They struggle with funding. They struggle sure. for every small victory that they get, and they would love some help. Right. And yes. The coming election will be just like all the other elections, a big, huge fraud, unless we demand that it not be a fraud. Right. Because, see, mail-in ballots are the most corruptible form of election ever, which is why we didn't ever do it. Mm -hmm. Do you think that we did mail-in ballots in Iraq and Afghanistan where we made them have elections? No. We made them show up with a paper ballot put it in a box, and then dip their finger in ink so that they couldn't bring another ballot. See, that's how simple election election integrity is. Right, right. See, we can do that in Iraq and Afghanistan after we go in there for whatever the hell reason they told us we went in there for, which apparently wasn't good enough to stay or withdraw in any type of reasonable strategic manner, but that's another Mm -hmm. topic. Well, see, we can go in there and run elections, and I'm sure they weren't legitimate either because we just take the boxes and uh, install whatever American puppet we want. But the technique is effective if you were actually to apply it. There can be election integrity, but it requires an involved, informed, and moral citizenry that isn't waiting on somebody else to do it for us. Right. Edmund Burke says that the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. To look on and do nothing. Yes. The modern day American is an expert at doing nothing. Unfortunately. All day long. They're very distracted with the bread and circuses. And they're also paralyzed by fear, I I think. Um, I'm curiously. So you talk about the the techniques and how that could uh, be uh, have some integrity. Uh, do you think that the candidates are even? You know, I I always point to Carol Quigley's tragedy and hope, and he says, you know, that they uh, much like the book you were talking about, the big fraud. Uh, the elections have been rigged really for uh, well over a century, if not longer. But he talks about how even the candidates have been kind of selected. Uh, he he specifically talks about them being uh, selected by the CFR. What are your thoughts about the options that we have? 
Well, let me put in my hand a Federal Bureau of Investigation electronic communication dated mm-hmm. April 13th that states that it is a letter sent to Florida Governor and Attorney General for Jeremy Brown's attorney, right? And this is a letter to Governor DeSantis and Attorney General Ashley Moody right. exposing to them violations of Florida state law by a federal judge in my case. Mm-hmm. This letter was sent via FedEx by an attorney on my team directly to the Attorney General, and it is stamped April, 20, April 12th as being received by Attorney General Ashley Moody's office. Mm-hmm. On April 13th, it had been handed over to the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Mm-hmm. So, are you telling me that the Republican Ashley Moody and Republican Governor DeSantis received a confidential legal communication from my legal team stating that crimes had been committed against the laws of the state of Florida and they turned it over to the very individuals that were actually committing those crimes? And we're to believe that that's the guy that's going to save us? The guy right. today, when asked by Clay Travis if he would pardon January 6th defendants, he said, well, I'm going to look at it and on a case-by-case basis, blah, 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 blah. The same guy that when my campaign team asked if they might be able to help us because we're the only Republican taking on a radical cultural Marxist Democrat in Michelle Rayner, if they could just maybe mention us, maybe tell the RNC to help us out a little bit. We don't need a whole lot of help. Right. They ignore this. The same governor who tells everybody that Florida doesn't have medical mandates, yet in May of 2021 signed State Bill 2006 that the citizens of Florida, based on the recommendations of public health officials, could be vaccinated by any means necessary. That's the language of the bill that Governor DeSantis signed into law. So is that the guy that's going to save us? Or maybe Mr. Trump is going to save us. The very guy who invited everybody to January 6th, and since January 6th, hasn't done a damn thing to help anybody. The very guy that everyone claims that all of these prosecutions of thousands of American citizens are all really just to indict President Trump. And yet he sits unindicted when it doesn't take anything to indict. I mean, hell, the uh, district attorney of New York was able to indict on 34 felony charges. So obviously not that much is required. I mean, hell, a grand jury can indict a ham sandwich. But see, we're to believe that it takes the prosecution of thousands of Americans the destructions of their lives and their families and their fortunes and everything to get at one man, that's absurd. Mm-hmm. Totally. So I ask you, are these our saviors or are these just political actors right. and a big, huge distraction that makes the two teams, one that has red pom-poms and the other that has blue pom-poms, right. 
right. each other rather than yell at the very people who are, they don't care. I mean, what did the, was it Rockefeller? It said, uh, give me control of the currency and I care not who makes the laws. Mm-hmm. You see, the only people playing this political game are the useful idiots. That's mm-hmm. us. You right. and me. The American that looks in the mirror and says, go Biden. Go right. Trump. I mean, right. how much evidence do you need that a president is compromised being presented to you by Congress before you say, wait a minute, I think that guy might be a Chinese, Ukrainian, whatever other countries he was being paid off by operative. Right. Yeah, so that is my other question. I don't think we did answer that. Is uh, what are your thoughts on the geo? Uh, you said you. Uh, I think you did answer. You said you think they're gearing up for nuclear war. What would that mean? And is there any way we could protect ourselves from that? Well, what it would mean was, hey, look at this catastrophe. Look, sovereign nations just is not the way things need to work. We need to come together as one world. And unite so that there can be peace and security. You know, it's funny because, see, the Bible says that in the end days, they will say peace and security, mm-hmm. and then ultimate destruction will come. You see, what nuclear war will accomplish is, one, it'll kill a lot of rabble-rousers, a lot of useless eaters, as they describe us as, but then it will mm-hmm. give them the predicate for the dissolution of nation states, which is part of the UN agenda. Yeah. Right? This is what Agenda 2030 is all about. Sure. It's the elimination of sovereign nations under a one-world government. See, no right. longer called a conspiracy theory. Now they talk about it in the open. They even oh. use new world order in their language. What you had is the formation of a world government happening right in front of your eyes and the usurpation of our sovereignty being allowed by the very people that are sworn, supposedly, allegedly sworn, to uphold that sovereignty under the United States Constitution. So you have the UN, which is the, the legislative branch. You have the International Criminal Court, which is the judicial branch. And now... You have the memorandum of understanding between the World Economic Forum and the UN that they're going to work together for this world government. That is your executive branch. An executive branch made up of global elites who our FBI director speaks in front of and assures that he will gladly cooperate with the World Economic Forum's agenda. This is what we're facing. And a nuclear war would be great to help bring that about. Another pandemic would be great. Hell, maybe we can get them both going at the same time. So, Courtney, I appreciate all the time that you've given me, and I certainly, I know I was a little bit fired up today, but the events no, of the day... No, I'm glad, I, and it's understandable. I'm sorry? Say that because part again? I, this is my Paul Revere moment. Right. I'm warning you. That they're not coming. They're already here. Right. But I'm in jail, so it's up to you, the American people, to do something about it. Right. 
Thank you for using Securus. Goodbye. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. I I will put a link uh, below to uh, his defense um, for people to to go and check out the website, to go and support. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for his courage and for speaking out and for inspiring people to learn what's going on and to take you know take ownership of sovereignty. Like we we really need the individuals to stand up. So yeah. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.